Hey everybody, my name is Tyler. I'm the student pastor here at FCC. Welcome to our podcast. We're glad you joined us. Let's get into the word. In 1 Samuel chapter 17, there are 58 verses. Everybody say 58. Okay, anybody in here 58 years old? Raise your your honor. It's okay. 58, almost 58, 57 and a half. (laughs) All right, so we're going to read 58 verses in the Bible. Now, I'm not going to look at nobody. I'm not going to point no fingers or any elbows, but this might be the first time that you all have read a whole chapter in the Bible in some time. Don't, everybody just look forward. This is a judgment-free zone, but hey, here's your opportunity to read the Word. It's crazy that we read the Bible in church. Oh my gosh, this dude is nuts, man. It's crazy. All right, so 1 Samuel chapter 17, but before we get to chapter 17, we got to take a quick look at verse, or chapter 16, verse 23, and it says, and so it was whenever the Spirit of God was upon Saul that David would take a harp and play it with his hand, and then Saul would become refreshed and well, and well, and the distressing spirit would depart from him, okay? Now, earlier in Scripture, in in chapter 16, the Bible says that the Spirit of God was with David from that day forward, and David would go and play his harp and his lyre to Saul because the Spirit of God had left Saul, okay? So I just want to give you that quick little uh, preview, kind of to set the context a little bit. So chapter 17, verse 1. Y'all ready? Here we go. Now I'm going to read, and I'm going to interject a little bit as we read so that y'all don't fall asleep, and so we kind of keep the context, and I like to paint little pictures and stuff like that and be artistic, if that's okay. If it's not, my bad. All right, so chapter, or chapter 17, verse number 1 says, Now the Philistines gathered their armies together to battle and were gathered in Sakal, which belongs to Judah. They encamped between Sakal and Asakai, Ephes, Demon. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together, and they encamped in the valley of Elah and drew up into, into battle array against the Philistines. The Philistines stood on a mountain on one side, and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side, and there was a valley in between them. And the champion went out from the camp of the Philistines named Goliath from Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. Anybody six cubits and a span? What does that mean? We don't measure anybody in cubits. So glad that you asked. Goliath was nine feet, nine inches tall. Yeah, he is a big one, all right? So think of the biggest player, NBA player that you ever met or whatever the case may be. Like he is at least two and a half feet taller than that person. Nine feet, nine inches tall. He was a big dude. Everybody say a big dude. dude. All right. He had a bronze helmet on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail, and the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. 5,000 shekels? We don't measure in shekels. So this dude had an armor coat thing, vest thingy that weighed 126 pounds. Okay, now this isn't a fitness class, but anybody weigh about 125, 126 pounds? Okay, you do. Stand up, sir. He weighs about, so Goliath's armor vest weighed as much as him. Okay, nine feet, nine inches tall, and he got a person, a whole person as his his armor. 
Verse 6, and he had, a bron- he had bronze armor on his legs and a bronze javelin between his shoulders. And now the staff of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and the iron spearhead weighed 600 shekels, and the shield bearer went before him. Okay, so just for, because we're giving you information, the spear tip weighed 16 pounds. Anybody ever go to the gym, pick up a 15-pound dumbbell? That's how much the tip of his spear weighed, all right? Uh, And then he stood and cried out to the armies of Israel and said to them, Why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and you the servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you will be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine said, watch this, verse 10, the Philistine said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. Verse 11, when Saul, he's the king, when Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Y'all saw in the armies of Israel, they were scared. Everybody say scared. <laughs> this side be like, on it. This side be like, mmm. All right, this side, everybody say scared. Okay, okay, okay. I just want to make sure y'all here. All right. All right. So they were greatly afraid, verse 12. And now David was the son of that Ephratite of Bethlehem, Judah, whose name was Jesse, who had eight sons, and the, and the man was old, advancing years in the days of Saul. His three oldest sons of Jesse had gone to follow Saul to battle, and the names of his three sons that went into battle were Eliab, the firstborn, next to him, Abinadab, and third, Shammah. David was the youngest, and the three oldest sons followed Saul. But David occasionally went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. So David was doing double duty. He was, he was taking care of Saul, playing the harp, and then he was feeding the sheep, still shepherding. Verse 16, and the Philistine drew near and presented himself for 40 days, morning and evening. Okay, so for 40 days, Goliath would go to the armies of Israel and say, send me a man. If he could fight with me and beat me and kill me, we'll serve you. But if I kill him, then y'all got to serve us. I defy the armies of Israel every day for 40 days. That reminds you of that bully that used to take your lunch money every day at school, don't it? I've I just been losing weight. I've just been I was just trying to diet and stuff. You know, I've just been watching my figure. No, no, no. Your lunch money been getting taken. And because your lunch money is getting taken, you ain't been able to eat. And because you ain't been able to eat, now you're losing weight. He's, like this giant is bullying the armies of Israel for 40 days. Verse 17, then Jesse said to his son David, take now for your brothers an ephah of this dried grain and these 10 loaves and run to your brothers at the camp and carry these 10 cheeses at to the captain for their thousand, and see how your brothers are doing. Bring back news from them. Then Saul, now Saul, and they and the, all the men of Israel were in the valley of Eli fighting the Philistines. And so David rose up early in the morning, left the sheep with a keeper, and took the things as, as, as went and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the camp where the army was, going out to fight and shouting for the battle. For Israel and the Philistines had drawn up in battle array, army against army. And David left his supplies in the hand of the supply keeper and ran to the army and came and greeted his brothers. Then as he talked with them, there was the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistines. And he spoke according to the same words that he has said in verse 10. 
So David heard these words. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, they fled for him and were dreadfully afraid. Like all these soldiers, I, I just, in my mind, they were like, ah, it's Goliath, he gonna get us. Okay, verse 25, that's not in the scripture, but in my Jerome Elias brain, anyway. Okay, so verse 25 says, so the men of Israel said, have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel and shall be and shall be that man who kills him. The king will enrich him with great riches, will give him his daughter, and give the, give the father's house exemption from taxes in Israel. So there was, a, there was a reward out for whoever could kill Goliath. The king would give him great riches. He would get to marry the king's daughter, and he wouldn't have to pay taxes for the rest of his life. And they were still scared. Nobody wanted to take the deal. Like, like, who is this Goliath dude? They're like, look, look, bro, I'm going to make you super rich. You're going to get a baddie for a wife. And you ain't going to have to pay. The-. And they were still like, oh, I'm scared of Goliath. I don't want to fight him. Maybe they have some more bass in their voice. I don't know. All right. So verse 26, then David spoke to the men who stood by him saying, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Goliath said, I'm defying the armies of Israel. But David says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that is defying the armies of the living God? See, David had a revelation. He knew that this, this wasn't just about Israel, the geographical area, the geographical area, but, but Goliath was actually defying God, the armies that represented God. He had an understanding that this was, yeah, a battle in the physical, but it was something more at stake. There was something more that was going on. David seemed to know that Hey, big dude, nine foot nine dude with all this, this shield and this armor, you're defying the armies of Israel. That's what you think that you're defying, but you're really coming against God. So how does that relate to today? Today, we have all kind of things that are attacking the church and attacking our principles and attacking our ideologies and that are attacking the foundational stones that have been written in, in the heart of God since the beginning or before the beginning of time. The attack is not against you. The attack is against the Lord God Almighty. And when you start to see the battle right, and we're going to see this later on in the story, but when you start to see the battle right, you don't shrink in fear like those, the, the, the soldiers of the army of Israel. You go from like, oh, my circumstances to, oh, wait a minute. Wait, this this God's battle? Oh, oh this is his fight? Oh, that changes things. Okay. Just, just giving you a little nugget. Verse 27, and the people answered him in this manner, saying, so shall it be for the man who kills him. Now Eliab, his older brother, heard when he had spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger arose against David. And he said, why are you coming down here? And who did you leave those little scattered sheep with in the wilderness? I know your pride and the insolence of your heart, for you just came down here to see the battle. And David said, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? And so he turned from him toward the other, toward another, and said the same thing. And these people answered him as the first ones did. 
And now when the words which David had spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul, and Saul sent for David. Then David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight this Philistine. So David is taking lunch to his brothers. He hears, uh, he hears the Goliath defying the armies of Israel, but he knows that he's, they're defying the armies of God. And David's asking around. He's like, yo, what? y'all just about to let this ride? Like, who is this uncircumcised? Like, who is this dude? Like, who is he? He's coming against the armies of the living God? Are you serious? And then his brother, his own brother, says, what you doing down here? You just came to see the fight. You just poking your nose. Why don't you go and tend those little sheep, little shepherd boy? Anybody been in that situation where somebody that was close to you in your family didn't see you right? kind of minimized you, kind of threw your occupation in your face, like, oh, yeah, how's the, how's the trash collecting going? Oh, yeah, how's the little job, how's the cashier job at Circle K going? Dismissing you. And so even in the midst of all of that, even in the midst of, of this, this giant defying the armies of the living God and, and David being the shepherd boy, uh, he goes to Saul he goes to Saul and says, your servant will go and fight against this Philistine. Listen, David is a teenager at this time. He might, if he, if he was in school, he might be in the 10th or 11th grade. He's a shepherd boy. He's going back and forth feeding the sheep and playing the harp. And in, even though that's factual, even though that's the facts of who David is, he has the courage to go to the king and say the following, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight this Philistine. Here is a teenager encouraging the king. Because scripture told us earlier that Saul and the rest of the men were deathly afraid of Goliath. That'd be like one of our youth over there across the street at the venue going to, uh, this will stir up the pot a little bit, going to President Joe Biden, your favorite president, and saying, hey, Mr. Biden, don't be tripping out over those Russians or the, the Chinese government or cyber hacking. I'll take care of it. <laughs> president Biden going to be like, I, I ain't going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I was gonna do it. <laughs> I, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. Let's just, see what, let's just see what Saul said. Right. He says, verse 33, And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you're just a youth, and he has been a man of war since his youth. He's been fighting since before you was born. Verse 34, But David said to Saul, Here's this courage again. Where is David getting this courage from? Where is David getting this audacity from? Where is David getting this courage from? Where is David getting this stick your chest out from? Where is David getting this, this, this tenacity from? Where is David getting this persistence from? So glad you asked. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep when a lion or a bear came and took one of the lamb from the flock. And I went out after it, and I struck it and delivered the lamb from his mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by his beard and struck it and killed it. 
Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing as he has defied the armies of the living God. David has some experience with God. David must have, in, in the midst of tending to those sheep, must have been walking in the pasture in the cool of the day and hearing the voice of God. The, the Bible tells us that he played the harp, so maybe he was musical. The Bible also tells us that he wrote like, I don't know, 150 psalms. So perhaps he was in the pasture tending the sheep, worshiping God, having intimacy with God. And so when the lion showed up and when the bear showed up, he had all this courage because of the intimacy with God. And, oh, by the way, in, in 1 Samuel 16, the Bible says that the Spirit of God was with David from that day forward. So David had this understanding that this is not about me. Yeah, I'm 17 years old. Yeah, I'm skinny. Yeah, I'm just a shepherd boy. Yeah, I'm number eight of Jesse's eight sons. But that doesn't matter because me plus God equals victory every time. Every single time. And so when we go through these stories, yeah, it's, it's great stories, but let me, can, I, can I just remind you of something? That the same God of the pages is the same God that dwells and rests inside of you in 2023. So you plus God equals victory every time. This is why David could go to the king and say, look, man, I got this. I, I just imagine that he went to the, to the king's quarters doing the LeBron James silence. They're like, uh, uh. Like, I got this. He has this courage, but he understands where it comes from. Verse 37, moreover, David said, the Lord. Everybody say, the Lord. Lord. David wasn't arrogant. He wasn't like, yeah, I rode up on the bear and the lion cuz. Like, yeah, what's up? Whoop-de-whoop. That was a, a gang reference for my bad. I shouldn't have did that. Sorry, sorry. Okay. Anyway, so moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. So after Saul says, man, you can't fight him. You just a boy. You just a youth. Now in verse 38, or yeah, in verse 38, sorry, <laughs> in verse 38, the end of verse 37, and Saul said to David, go, the Lord be with you. Saul had a moment where he saw the revelation that David saw, perhaps. So Saul clothed David with his armor, and he put him on a bronze helmet, and he also clothed him with a coat of mail. And David fastened his sword and his armor and tried to walk before he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, look, bro, I can't even walk in these, for I have not tested them. So David took them off. And then he took his staff in his hand and chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook. And put, him in a, put them in a shepherd's bag in a pouch, which he had. And his sling was in his hand. And he drew near to the Philistine. So the Philistine came and began drawing near to David. And the man who bore the shield went before him. So not only is David going against Goliath, but like Goliath got somebody to hold his shield. It's crazy. Right? Um, <clears throat> so the Philistine looked out and saw David. And he disdained him, for he was only a youth, ruddy and good-looking. Not only when he was a kid, he was a pretty boy, right? Like, who is it? Like, what? So the Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? 
And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Verse 45. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin. <laughs> you come to me with a spear and a sword and a javelin. If we interjected ourselves into this story, we would be talking to the Goliaths in our lives or to the strongholds in our lives or to the adversary in our lives saying, you come to me with depression and anxiety and low self-worth. You come to me with financial issues and financial struggle. You come to me with family brokenness and, and, and generational curses. You, you come to me with eating disorders and, and all this stuff. But then David's reply and our reply is this, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. This is not even our fight. We're just in it. We're just watching it. See, here's, here's, and I might be getting ahead of myself a little bit, but here's what I want you to, to really take home from this story, that the battle is not yours. It's the Lord's. It's not yours. It's the Lord's. We got to cast all of our cares, all of our anxiety, all of our concerns on him because he cares for us. Verse 46, this day, David is still talking to Goliath. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand. I will strike you and take your head from you. You just can't read that and just keep going. David tells this nine foot nine giant, I'm going to strike you. And then I'm going to take your head from you. Okay, okay, okay. If it was 2023, he would have said something like, hey, I'm about to roll up on your house, about to spray it all up, and then I'm going to make your body like Swiss cheese. Today. <laughs> all right. Okay, I was, I was going to meddle. I was going to say something about guns, but we, you know, yeah. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Let's just keep it to the Bible. How about that? That's better, right? Yeah. So, so <laughs> David says, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp. So Goliath said, hey, David, I'm going to feed your carcass to the birds, of the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. But David says, I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines. You and your mama Nim and all of y'all, so all your people with you, I'm going to give the carcasses of the camp to the, of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth that all of the earth may know there is a God in Israel. Then all this assembly shall know the Lord does not save with a sword or a spear for the battle is the Lord's. Everybody say the battle is the Lord's. Say it like you mean to say, the battle is the Lord's. And he will give you into our hands. So it was when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, that David hurried and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. And then David put his hand in his bag, took out a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine in his forehead so that the stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore, David ran and stood over the Philistine. 
took his sword, drew it out of its sheath, and killed him and cut off his head with it. Ooh, David was a gangster. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. They was like, did you just see what happened to Goliath? I'm out, man. That, like, the dude killed him with a rock, bro. And, the, he's, and he cut his head off. He just, he cut it off like that. We out. That's what they said. It's, it's right there. All right. Um, so verse 52 now the men of Israel and Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines as far as the entrance of the valley to the gates of Ekron. And the, and, and the wounded of the Philistines fell along the road of Shamarion, even as far as Gath and Ekron. And the children of Israel returned from chasing the Philistines, and they plundered their tents. And David took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem, but he put his armor in his tent. And when Saul saw David going out against the Philistine, he said to Abner, the commander of the army, Abner, whose son, whose son is this youth? And Abner said, as your soul lives, O king, I don't know. So how is it that Saul forgets about who David is? Verse 56, and the king said, inquire whose son this young man is. And then David returned from the slaughter of the Philistine, and Abner took him and brought him before Saul with the head of the Philistine in his hand. So David goes and sees Saul again, and the first time he went and seen him, he's like, yo, man, I'm going to take care of this Philistine. And now he sees him, he's holding Goliath's head in his hand. Verse 58, and Saul said to him, whose son are you, young man? And in this moment, David could have been like, bruh. I've been playing the harp for you for, like, a long time. Like, we just had a conversation about I couldn't fit your armor. Like, you don't know who I am, but he doesn't take that position. I believe one of the reasons why David rose to prominence as king and, and was such a celebrated king is because of his humility. Humility will always precede greatness. So David answered and said, I am the son of your servant Jesse, the Bethlehemite. He doesn't take any credit. He doesn't toot his own horn. He doesn't raise the roof and say, hey, man, look, what's my, he, what's my name? That's what some of us would have did. You don't know me. Like, you know who I am. But he doesn't do that. And so this is a very popular story, like I said. But what do we get out of this story? One of the things that I got out of it is that your faith or your trusting in God is not dependent upon human affirmation or the facts. His older brother, David's older brother, said, hey, man, you're supposed to be tending the sheep. The king, Saul, said, hey, you can't fight against this guy. You're just a youth. Right? All these things were deterrents. All these things were discouragements. All these things were actually factual but David did not allow the facts or his circumstances to deter what he believed that God was asking him to do on behalf of Israel. Where are you in that narrative? Are you allowing the facts? Are you allowing what people have said about you? Are you allowing what statistics say about you? Are you allowing what circumstances say about you to get you to back away from what God told you to do? Oh, well, I don't have the education for that. Well, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not gifted in speech enough to do that. 
I'm not smart enough with numbers to own my own business. Yeah, it's true. So what? What did God say? What bear and what lion did God deliver you from? What faith victories can you lean on and remember that will carry you on to the next challenge and to the next Goliath and to the next victory that you can celebrate from the Lord? You can't allow your circumstances to blot out your victory. And we do this so much. So much. Like God has done, So if, if we just all just got a piece of paper and a pen and started writing all the great things that God has done on our, on our behalf or behalf of the ones that we love, the list would be endless. But whenever a circumstance arises, we seem to forget all of that and give all this energy and attention to the circumstance, to the negative occurrence. Oh, the doctor said that I only got six weeks to live. Oh, my daughter got arrested again. This is her 37th and a half time. Oh, my gallbladder's acting up again. Oh, my this, oh, my that, oh, that happened. Look, did you hear what they said on the news? Did you hear what Congress did? Did you hear what they didn't do? Like, all these circumstances, and God is like, yo, hold on. I got a whole book full of promises. I got a whole book full of victories. I got a whole book full of history that I don't fail, that I never come up short. Can you get into this? Can you read that report? Can we remember those victories? This is what this story is about. This is, this is about that, there is, that there's not just a one occurrence of David and Goliath. This is about the fact that there's Goliaths in and around your life every single day, and God is giving you or planning to give you the victory every single day. As many Goliaths there are that exist in your life, that's how many victories that God wants to bring into your life. So whenever you see a mountain, whenever you see a hurdle, whenever you see an obstacle, whenever you see adversity, you also have to see, okay, God, here comes another victory. So now I'm 1-0, I'm 2-0, I'm 10-0, I'm 13-0, I'm 4 Like, I'm going to be like him. He's undefeated and I'm undefeated too. I might take some setbacks, but I'm still undefeated because I serve the living God. And the adversity that comes against me is not about me. It's not coming against me. That adversity is defying the living God. The battle is the Lord's. Everybody say, the battle is the Lord's. So it's interesting when you're battling, when you're going through different stuff, the way that God gets you to defeat that Goliath probably isn't the way that you would think that you should defeat the Goliath. Saul was like, okay, uh, you're going out against this giant? Uh, okay, here, take my helmet. Yeah, um, and, and, then, and then take my, my vest and then my spear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that should work. David's like, nah, I don't think so. So he goes up against this nine-foot, nine-inch giant with five smooth stones. Now, in my mind, I'm like, that don't really... Like, couldn't he have grabbed, like, a jagged stone, like, at least to, like, scratch him a little bit on, like, just scratch him a little bit? No, five smooth stones. In other words, what, what that communicated to me is that God wants to use the things that you never thought would bring you victory to bring you victory. The people that you wrote off could be the key to your victory. The people or the group of people that you don't like might just be one of your five smooth stones. Oh, oh, 
I'm out there now, so I might as well meddle. Uh, uh, some Democrats might be your smooth stones. Some Republicans might be some smooth stones. A woman that experienced abortion might be your smooth stones. A man that paid for the abortion because she didn't do it by herself might be one of your smooth stones. But maybe if we got busy about making disciples of all nations, of all people groups, of all people, then we would identify those smooth stones. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. How is God going to bring the victory in your life? It's not the way we think. The Bible says his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. They're not ours. So at at some point in time, Jesus followers, we got to say, you know what, God? (laughs) You just take it. You, you You take control. Let me, let me just ride shotgun. You just be in control because you know the answers. You know the end from the beginning. So let me just trust you because the times that I should have died, the times that I, I should have uh, been written off, the t- all the time, all the victories that you wrought in my life, I trust you to be able to do it again. Why don't we just give it to him? Why don't we just give total control to him? And here's the big idea for today. It's two, actually. God wants to use who and what you have. He wants to use who you are, and he wants to use what you have. You are enough. And I want to I wanna encourage somebody today. The enemy has been telling somebody or somebody's in here that you are not enough, that your history is, is, is too bad, that your, your track record is too bad, your rap sheet is just too long. All of the things that are factual about you has disqualified you from anything good happening in your life. You'll never get married because you was out there on the street. You'll never have peace in your home because your, your parents didn't have peace in their home. And you'll, you'll never have financial freedom because... It's been a track record through your whole family. Like, whatever lie the enemy is telling you, God is saying the very opposite. Yes, you can. That you are enough. And he wants to use what you have. He wants to come into your circumstance and your situation right now and bring you the victory. You may think that you don't have enough. All I got is these smooth stones. Somebody gave me, this is literally a smooth stone from the brook that David picked his smooth stones from. Isn't that crazy? I'm going to keep this because it's going to remind me that no matter what I'm facing, that this smooth stone is a representation of God's method of victory for me in my life. And the same is true for you. It doesn't just work for me because I got a mic. It works for all of us. We're all brothers and sisters. God sees us all the same. And he's not bound by our natural circumstances. And he's not bound by the facts or the opinions of people, including yours. I think our biggest Goliath is this brain, that self-talk. Oh, I did the third grade six times. I'll, I'll never go to college. My mother died from cancer. My grandmother died from cancer. I guess that's just in the cards for me. All of that in your mind. God is not bound by your circumstances or the opinions 
of other people. I want to take a minute. <clears throat> we're, we're a little bit over time and we got some other stuff to do. But as we reflect on this story, I just want you to just, but the person next to you, just step out and be bold and do this. With the person next to you, ask them, what is the Goliath in your life? Ask each other that to the person to your right, to your left, whoever you came with or whatever the case may be. And pray, agree in prayer with and for that person. Let's take two minutes to do that. And then uh, we'll jump into a time of communion. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in with us today. Stay tuned for more content coming soon. Have a blessed day.